Church, with all that's gone on in the world over the last year or so, uh, there's been a particular word that's been used a lot. It's been very relevant in lots of different areas of life, and it's the word fatigue. And you'll read articles about Zoom fatigue, where you've just done Zoom so much, and it's so unsatisfying in so many ways uh, that you're just tired of it, you're just done with it. Uh, with politics, there was the, a huge swing of um, conversation and, and whatever up to election time. And then there's this big drop off because like people just can't maintain that level of intensity. And so the passion is still there, but there's also like an exhaustion that creeps in. There's, there's a political fatigue. Um, there's remote learning fatigue. Yeah, okay, kids can do it for a day here, or a day there, but can they do it every day, every week? And, and for teachers, there's this fatigue, that, that sense of, I'm trying, but I just don't have anything more to give. And so there's like a lacking. Then what do you, what do you do when you're fatigued? Do you want to withdraw? You want to check out? You want to stop? You want to just, uh, you, you can't pursue with the same vigor that you had. Well, I think there's a, a great corollary to that in our faith. I think there's such a thing as faith fatigue because full faith is, you know, I believe and I, I never doubt and I'm, I'm a hundred percent in and I, and I pray with confidence and I'm anticipating. And that's the definition of faith. It's kind of like this, uh, this lifelong and then eternal um, clinging to Christ. And so it takes like an energy and a passion to, to pursue and to follow and to pray and to reach out to our neighbors. And, but then there's some times where we kind of get tired. You know, physically we just get tired. And uh, so then our, our faith kind of like wanes a little bit. And we were like, I'm not as sure. I don't feel as passionate about that thing as I used to. And and I'm not sure w- what about this? And what if this isn't what I thought? You know, that, that, that relentlessness uh, of zealous faith in a good way uh, also has this output element to it. And so we pour ourselves out. And unless we're, we're clinging to Jesus, unless we're staying in God's presence, unless we're seeing evidence of God working, which are the things that kind of refill us, and unless we're around other believers that help renew our strength, we get tired. And um, that faith fatigue, I think, is a great definition uh, for the word doubt. You know, doubt is a sort of faith fatigue because doubt isn't denial, right? A doubt isn't saying, I don't believe you, God. Doubt's like, well, I just don't know. What if this thing I believe isn't true? You know, doubts, I'm not sure. I've been, I've been praying confidently, but it's not happening yet. Like, what if it doesn't? Doubts, God, are you who you say you are? Jesus, will you meet me the way you promised to meet me? Spirit, will you fill me and heal me and guide me the way I need? Like, doubt is a middle area. Doubt isn't denial. I think sometimes Satan plays on our doubts when we have those moments of, well, what if God doesn't show up? What if Jesus doesn't answer my prayer? What, what, what if? And makes us feel guilty for feeling that. When actually I think it's sort of a fleshly response. We, we don't have, we're not all powerful, omnipotent. That's God's characteristic. And in these bodies, we're very finite. And we run out of energy and our faith grows weak, grows tired. It reminds me of that verse from Isaiah. There's actually a few of them. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31, talking about just being very normal, that we grow tired, but God being our source of strength. I know you've heard it before. Let me read it for us. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. 
Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. You know, we look at our, our kids and like boundless energy, right? Look at our teenagers in college and like just unlimited energy, it seems. But even they can grow tired. How much more so we, <laughs> like as adults with more responsibility and longer life and maybe less energy physically and maybe greater burdens that we're carrying. <clears throat> so this fatigue is natural to our, our human condition. This doubt is a very understandable thing because we're living through time and waiting for a God to bring us into a hope for a future that has not yet arrived. And so there are some days where we feel that strength. God renews our strength and we're waiting and we're hopeful and things feel promising. And then there are days where we just don't know, God, are you ever going to answer? That's a doubt. You know, when we pray, is God really listening to me? That's a doubt. It's not a denial, though. So let's be protective of our own hearts and not treat ourselves too harshly when we have doubts as if we feel like, oh, I'm denying God. No, we're just in those moments of weakness. Our faith is growing tired. We need to strengthen one another. This is a common theme in the New Testament as well. Hebrews 12, 11 to 13 talks about difficult times, trials, and, and discipline from the Lord even. And it says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. This message is an encouragement for all of us who are doubting that you are not rejecting your faith by doubting, but doubting is like unsteady territory. I hope that your knees will be strengthened, that we can pave the way to show where do we go when we get into these times of uncertainty and to be healed. We're going to read a beautiful verse that says, uh, have mercy on those who doubt. Don't condemn those who doubt. Recognize that it's, it's part of our flesh that can't see the future, but as God fills us with his strength, he can strengthen those arms and those hands and those feet and we can move back. Our faith, faith can be increased. Our faith can be strengthened. Faith isn't like a light switch. It's on or off. We have it or don't. And we feel like it is. We should have 100% faith and we know about everything and we're confident, whatever. And that is where we are in the spirit. But sometimes the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And so in our flesh, we become weary. And that faith, strong faith, fatigues into doubt. And it's right in that moment that we need to care for one another and we need to come around one another because we don't want that doubt to be something that turns into denial. We want to just recognize that doubt is the fatigue of faith. And that's what we're made to come together for. That's why there's a body. That's why there's a church. That's why there's Christian community. That's why we abide in Christ and he abides in us, this continual relationship. So when we get tired, as we will, <clears throat> that it doesn't lead to our, it says, let the lame um, be not put out of joint, but rather be here. Let our lameness, as we're kind of limping in our faith in those moments, let it, let it not be put out of joint, fall and despair, but let it be strengthened, let it be healed. So I'm praying for healing for you. I'm praying for an inpouring of God's strength. I'm challenging you to gather around other believers when you doubt and not to hide it and say, oh, I feel so guilty that I'm doubting. Just recognize that you have faith. <laughs> A doubt means there is some element of faith. Denial means there's no faith. 
You know, like atheist to agnostic to Christian, a Christian, a believer would be full faith as kind of the, the simplistic definition. An agnostic is someone, well, I don't know what I think about God, just questioning. And the atheist is like, I'm sure there's no God. So in our faith, we sometimes slip into doubts. Uh, let us strengthen one another. And the best way to do that is to look at uh, one of Jesus' first apprentices, one of the twelve. His name is Thomas. We know him most uh, commonly as Doubting Thomas. There are three places in scripture that he appears specifically talking. And we see his faith when it's strong, and then we see when it slips. We call him Doubting Thomas. But actually, after his faith slips, he's restored and returns to full faith and continues on in the faith. So his doubts did not lead him to despair, did not lead him to denial. They were just the weakness of his flesh that Jesus worked with. He had mercy on him and led him back into strengthening his faith. So I hope he'll be an encouragement to us. I want to read those three passages just to see <clears throat> his story and see his faith as it, as, it, as it naturally ebbs and flows, but see where he ends up. And uh, also then a few more scriptures to see that it wasn't just Thomas. This happened with the other disciples and it happens with us as well. So John 11 is our first section, uh, verses 11 through 16. After saying these things, Jesus said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Now the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now, this doesn't sound like a doubting Thomas. This sounds like a man convinced in full faith. He's called the twin. He must say he had a twin brother, twin sister. He's called Thomas the twin. We call him doubting Thomas, but that's not what he was ever named in scripture. It was just Thomas. But we look at a specific moment where he said, unless I see this evidence, I won't believe. And we've given him the name. I think it's the wrong name. Um, because if you look at him here, he wasn't always doubting. In this moment, he said, Jesus, I know that people are trying to kill you back there where Lazarus lives. But come on, disciples. He's trying to round up everybody else and increase their faith. Let's go to our death. We're with Jesus. If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. That's not a statement of doubt. Doubting is not his identity. But he had moments of doubt. And that's true for us as well. When we get into those moments of doubt, we need to recognize that this is something we're going through. This is a trial. This is a failing of our faith. This is a weakness of our flesh. This is not our identity. And move from that in open and honesty with the Lord. Like, Lord, I'm just having doubts and questions. I don't know. And let him strengthen us. Come close to him. Let believers strengthen us when their faith is strong. Scoop up those who are doubting. Don't judge them for it. Don't condemn them for it. We will be there sometimes too. But doubt is not denial. Doubt is just weakness of faith. It's faith fatigue. The second place that we see Thomas is in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. So Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also <clears throat> in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? 
Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And so from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? That's not a statement of doubt. That's a question. But it is an uncertainty. Like, I don't know what you're promising. I don't know how to get to God. And so Jesus uses that opportunity in his question. It's not a fearful doubt, like I doubt that you're Christ. It's like, I don't understand. I'm uncertain. I'm unclear. Uh, And Jesus says, well, let me clarify for you. This isn't a doubt that leads to death. This is an an unknown. Only Jesus who came from God could explain what it means to go to God. All the rest of us start here on earth and then go on. Jesus started as part of the Trinity, became flesh and explained to us and then leads the way out. No one else has ever claimed to do that. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not any founder of any religion, not any wise person, not any genius or scientist. Jesus, he's unique in that way. So we see doubt here? No, we see questions. And sometimes we conflate those two. And when we have questions about things, we think, well, we doubt. And sometimes our questions can turn into doubts. But let Jesus answer the questions. We don't know what we think about this. Well, what does the Bible say? Go to Jesus. Go to Scripture. Get our questions answered. Learn, dig, study, so that our questions may not turn into doubts. I think questions can be right here between faith (laughs) and doubt. And if we don't resolve them, then the doubts which remain uncertain, if we're not coming closer to God, if God never helps us, if no one comes around us to help build that faith, though it can turn into denial. But it doesn't have to. It's not the same thing. Questions are not the same thing as doubts. And doubts are not the same thing as denial. What we're looking for is full faith, just confidence. So here, the classic example, uh, the most well-known incident that we have, the third and final snapshot we have of the Apostle Thomas is in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. So Jesus has died and rose again, and now the disciples are locked in a room. They're trying to <clears throat> evade the Jews who have crucified Jesus from finding all of his followers and killing them as well. So it's a fearful, protective, like what's going to happen next moment? And Jesus appears to them, the resurrected Christ. Jesus rose from the dead, just appears to them and speaks to them. <clears throat> said to them, Peace be with you. Verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Here's this wonderful transition. I'm sending you out. God has sent me. I send you out in peace. Peace to the world. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. He just like breathed his spirit into them. This is evocative of Genesis where God breathes his spirit into the physical bodies of Adam uh, and body of Adam and he becomes a living being, you know, breathe the breath of life. This is Jesus breathing the spirit of life. His soul came alive, no longer a descendant of Adam, but now a descendant of Christ receiving God's spirit, the indwelling, this beautiful moment, receive the Holy Spirit. If you, are forgi- oh, if you forgive the sins of anyone, <clears throat> they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. So go and speak on my behalf. This is what Jesus did. He went and forgave people's sins. He also called people out for being hypocrites. He called them out for being double-minded, loving God and money. 
for being, you know, showing favoritism, being judgmental. He, he just called it them out, and, but also then offered forgiveness where it was genuinely sought. So he's giving that authority to his disciples. So for us as well, followers of Christ, forgive in the name of Jesus, heal in the name of Jesus, carry on Jesus's ministry. Uh, he's given us the authority to do this. So, verse 24, we see Thomas enter into this scene. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of those nails that he was crucified with, right? The mark of those nails. And place my finger into the mark of those nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, how do you take this? Is this just, I could never believe unless I see it for myself? Is this like rebellious? I'm not going to believe unless he proves it. Is it testing God? Is it just the unknown? Is it a question? Is it a doubt? Verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And what does Thomas answer? Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Doubt. Question. Jesus' response to him is not condemning. Like, Let me show you. It's evidence. It's presence. Christ comes into his sphere, into his presence. He's in the presence of Christ. And Christ shows him the evidence of his resurrection. This is what we're looking for when we ask our questions. Can you show me some evidence, Jesus? I want to see. And Jesus meets Thomas where he's at with no judgment. And just says, well, let me show you. And I feel like this is important for us in our faith because so many times we feel like I'm not supposed to ask that question or that doubt or that question is off limits. Like Christians should just know this or believe this. But I I don't know if I know that or believe that. And again, like the verse we're going to read says, have mercy on those who doubt, who are uncertain. We're not supposed to doubt. It just means we're not supposed to stay there when we doubt. And Jesus just takes him forward. And what's his response? It isn't, wow, that could have been anyone. Or that could have happened anyway, or I don't know. It doesn't denial. It's not rejection. It's my Lord and my God. Renewal. Strengthened faith. And Thomas goes out as one of the twelve and spreads the gospel with all the rest of the twelve. He's not lost. He's renewed. So verse 29, just to conclude this, actually the end of the gospel of John. It's the last few verses. I just love how John closes his biographical uh, eyewitness account of Jesus' life. So let's finish the last few verses. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Well, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is why the Bible was written. This is why John wrote his uh, account of Jesus' life. I'll read it again, verse 31. 
These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we want to believe, and that believing will give us life. Life now, we will come alive. It's for freedom that you've been set free, but also eternal life. We are made right with God, so when these bodies pass away, we will be with him in eternity. This is why the Bible was written. This is where I want my full faith to be. God has made me alive. He's changed me. It's old Dave and new Dave. There's things that have happened that must have been God doing it because I couldn't have on my own. And I have hope that he will continue that when this life is over. I'm just going to see him again because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house. So that's where I want to be. And that's where I want you to want to be. But wanting to be there is a place of faith. Hoping to be there, believing that. And when we're not sure if there is a place to go, when we're not sure of what we think, we have questions that tempt us to doubt, that's when we need to be strengthened. Can I just point out a couple of the places, though? This isn't just Thomas's situation. Um, how about the situation in Matthew, with Peter? It was recorded in Matthew 14, um, verse 28. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. He said, come. Peter got out of the boat. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, he began to sink. Jesus, verse 31, reached out his hand, took him, and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So Jesus, or Peter was confident, full faith, stepped out of the boat, walking, 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 but then became uncertain. Will I sink? Am I okay? Is the wind and the waves too much? And Jesus said, why do you have little faith? Not no faith, not denial. You had full faith and it went to little faith. Big faith to little faith. But what does Jesus do? He reaches out his hand. He meets him in his place of little faith and brings him back to full faith, puts him up out of the water. And then verse 33, those in the boat then worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. So their doubt did not lead to denial where they rejected. Their doubt gave an opportunity for Jesus to step in and renew and restore their faith. And they went, my Lord and my God, truly you are God. That's where we want to end up. When our questions turn into doubts and when our doubts tempt us and become like a weak place when we don't know what our footing is, we need to strengthen those. We need to see, we need to come close to Jesus. Let him pray and ask him, please help me. Jesus, I'm sinking. And in that moment of doubt he, doubt, he will not condemn us. He did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save the world through him. He will not condemn us for our doubts. If we reject him, he will reject us. There is denial, but that's not what doubt is. Doubt is just uncertainty. And it can be honest, unbiased, questioning, uncertainty. Or it can be like, I don't know if you will fulfill your promises, uncertainty, questioning the validity of Christ or the strength and power ability of God, the promises of God. God will meet us in those moments and move us forward. So be open and honest. Don't seal away your doubts and your questions as if, well, I can't admit that I doubt that or question that because then Satan will work on that and make you just never get answers, make you never admit to someone so the people who could strengthen us, people who have learned and studied far more than we have, could give us answers to the questions we have. And we say, oh, that doubt that got locked away in my mind, I can just put that down now. I can walk in faith because because I got that question answered because I saw the evidence and the presence of Christ, my Lord and my God. And we, we just come back to full faith. So it isn't just Thomas. This is Peter. How about at the, um, right before the, the Great Commission where, you know, Jesus has ascended or he, he told them to go to the mountain and wait for them and he appears to them about to give them this, this go into all the world and make disciples statement. This is Matthew 28. People are doubting right then, right then. 
Now the 11, this is Matthew 28, 16. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So actually seeing him, but there's still uncertainty. How can this be Jesus? I thought he died. And I know they said he was, but, but what about this? And like uncertainty, right? But some doubted. And then Jesus came, came to them. He met them there and he said, all authority in heaven has been given to me, therefore go. He's like scooping them up and he's pulling them back into himself and he's sending them out and they believed. Those 11 believed. So some in that 11 doubted? Fine. Jesus isn't afraid of our doubts. He said, well, let me show you that I'm real. God's not afraid of our uncertainty. We can't know everything. We're not omnipotent. We're not um, all-knowing, omniscient. God is. So in our moments of unknowing, before they become doubts and before they're in denial, just turn to God and say, show me. Open my eyes. I want to know. What should I do? What do you want to say to me? Where should I go? And let God lead us, let Jesus lead us back into first, full faith. Jude one twenty is the verse that I've been, uh, 1.22. Jude 1.22 is the verse that I've been referring to the whole sermon. Can I just read it to you? This is um, advice to early Christians. I'll start in verse 20. Um, Jude 1.20 says, But you, my beloved, meaning Christians, family of faith, right? Brother, sister, family, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt and save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Build yourselves up in the faith. Have mercy on those who doubt. And see if you can even snatch some out of the fire. Where they're being hurt. They're on this path that leads to death. Can we reach for them to build ourselves up, knowing that it's just Jesus' mercy. It's just God's goodness. It's just the Holy Spirit's filling. That's what's going to give us any hope. It's not us. And when our faith gets fatigued, please don't keep it quiet. Let someone have mercy on you. You think, well, they'll judge me if I say, I don't know if I believe this, or I don't know if I'm doubting this. I hope that you won't find that to be the case. I hope that when you open up about your uncertainties and your doubts, that it will be a healing process for you because those doubts will be answered. Those questions will find helpful ways to think and truths in the scripture that maybe you hadn't thought of before. And people who will stand with you to say, we can go forward together. We can walk together and build ourselves up in the most holy faith. My prayer is that our faith will grow stronger, not weaker. And even if it's a little faith, it will become great faith. And that we will trust that when we have doubts and questions, Jesus will supply us with evidence, his evidence. He will show up and that he will lead us into life in this life and the next. 
So may God bless you in your places of uncertainty this week, and may you be a blessing to others as they share their places of uncertainty. And may we show mercy to one another and uh, not allow Satan to turn our doubts into denials, but may we pray that Jesus turn our doubts into faith. God bless you this week.